0: Don't Miss a Beat is a podcast series brought to you by the law firm of Saul Ewing, Arnstein & Lear that covers views from diverse constituencies within the food, beverage, and agribusiness, also known as FBA, sector. Hosted by Jonathan Havens and Kermit Nash, co-chairs of the firm's FBA group, episode guests offer various perspectives on a variety of legal, policy, and industry developments, day-to-day FBA issues, best practices, and the road ahead. Thank you for joining us on our food, beverage, and agribusiness podcast series, Don't Miss a Beat. My name is Jonathan Havens, and I'm the co-chair of both uh, Saul Ewing's food, beverage, and agribusiness practice, as well as the firm's cannabis law practice, and I'm based in our Baltimore and Washington, D.C. offices. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Brian Berger, a principal and founding partner of JBH Advisory Group. Brian will get into uh, his very interesting background and how he came to... uh, be a founder of, of Jbh, but uh, he's responsible for business strategy, industry relations, client engagement, and new ventures. Ryan, thank you so much for for joining us today. We really appreciate it. We know our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of hearing your story, hearing more about Jbh. So, uh, welcome to the show. And if you wouldn't mind, you know, introducing yourselves, giving us a little bit about your background, so our listeners can know all the great information about you that I know.
1: Jonathan, thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, and look forward to the conversation. You know, just a brief background. You know, I've been in the restaurant and food and beverage industry, uh, started pot washing at 14 and, you know, was off and running, attended a hotel restaurant program for, for college, worked with some companies like Aramark and uh, Houston's now Hillstone Restaurant and ended up at Coopers, where I helped to lead a global food and beverage advisory practice uh, for close to a decade. In 2009, my partner, Lynn Jacoby, and I started JBH Advisory Group, and we've been running that ever since. But just a brief background on JBH, you know, we work in multiple services, but everything surrounded by the food and hospitality industry. Uh, we work with private equity firms that are looking to acquire a food-related target, whether it's a restaurant company or a contract management company or a food supplier, uh, helping them with operational due diligence. Uh, we work directly for operators. It could be a hotel group, a restaurant, a convenience store. And we do a lot of work on really process improvement, operational efficiency. In today's world, a lot of that is labor efficiency, uh, that kitchen of the future design. We do help create concepts or, or brands uh, for companies as well. And then really a, a distinct part of our business is in that contract management field. So uh, to be more specific Healthcare is our largest channel. We've helped over 500 healthcare facilities uh, really find improvement in their food and nutrition. Uh, Lastly, we do have a restaurant operating group. So we do uh, continue not only to provide advisory services, but we do operate. We have 12 different restaurant brands that fall under SVK or SUV Kitchen as kind of our overarching brand.
0: That's great. Thank you so much. And I I think we're going to unpack, you know, I just want to tell our listeners we're going to unpack. A lot of the things that Brian just talked about, I mean, if, if you're going through your mind, there's various segments to what JBH does. There's various segments to what Brian does. So don't worry, we're gonna get into all of that uh, through this conversation. So, so Brian, you know, one of the reasons that I really love working with clients in the food, beverage, and agribusiness spaces is that it really gives me a deeper appreciation of exactly what it takes to get food to the end consumer. And as you well know, and I know, it's a lot more complex than, than some might imagine. So with that in mind, can you touch a bit on JBH's services? You know, I I know that you all are in the data analytics space and operational process improvement, as you just talked about, due diligence, to name a few, and, and discuss how you support your clients to get products and or services to, to their customers.
1: Absolutely. You know, and I, I like to say we really work in scalable food service. This isn't, you know, your independent chef-driven restaurants, but you know, we're working in, in areas where we're doing large-scale food service, whether it's with a hotel or convenience store or within a university or hospital. And, you know, as you said, it's a very complex space where we don't produce widgets in our industry. Uh, in essence, you're trying to recreate a product and experience that can never be the same twice. You know, every chicken breast or tomato has a little bit of a different taste to it, uh, not to mention that service experience, depending on the people interacting, how they come into that engagement. So, you know, we at JBH say we're always trying to replicate and get to that consistency and, and fight the good fight on something that you could never really truly replicate. Uh, so with that, as you mentioned, we look at a lot of data we, from a data analytics perspective. We, specifically to the healthcare space, have a partnership with a company called DSSI, uh, where we launched something called Analyze that really looks at all the operating metrics uh, within food and nutrition, as well as housekeeping and facilities management in that world. And, and by really mining the information, it allows us to give our clients the best advice, give them all the options and really be aware and have that transparency on how they go forward with decisions. So that's a very key to our group in the way that we look at the industry. And then, you know, really, in addition, it's it's about process. It's really about strategic purchasing. It's about, you know, from that initial, what are we looking at from a menu perspective through how we're serving our guests? It's looking at all the different processes that take place and then leveraging the innovation and technology and amazing suppliers that are out there. I think the food industry has been really uh, changed over the last two years, although a lot of things we've have been working on, we've been working on for over a decade, but they have magnified in this environment. Um, So it's really about, you know, finding the right ways to drive that process.
0: Yeah, that's great. And and that, you know, leads really nicely into uh, my next question or kind of line of questions. You know, as our listeners know, we've had other guests come on and talk about the well-documented challenges in the space related to COVID, including supply chain and labor. Could you talk a little bit about How JBH has navigated those challenges, or better yet, how you've helped your stakeholders navigate those challenges.
1: Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, at this point, it's a little comical because about 12 years ago, after we had left PWC and started JBH, we actually started our restaurant group as well. And we were looking at, you know, from a labor perspective, the increase in wages that was occurring, uh, the difficulty in finding skilled labor. You know, from a capital expenditure piece, looking at real estate, looking at build-out costs, uh, looking at food safety—all these things that really have been magnified uh, during the course of the pandemic and afterwards. I think you know, as you said, labor and supply chain right now for the industry are two of the largest challenges. But you know, over 12 years ago, we started on looking at process and utilizing technology, looking at sous vide method of cooking and the applications that are there, uh, looking at Rapid cook ovens that were coming into place with companies like TurboChef and actually Now, you know, looking at ways to eliminate the need for you know, hood systems and ventilations, which are quite costly uh, from a build-out perspective and limit the real estate that you can go into. Uh, just finding techniques and strategic purchasing in a way to really automate some of the processes within the kitchen. And so we've fortunately had, you know, o- over a decade of time to test these not only within our own operations, but to really bring these skills and these techniques to our clients. So, you know, we're working uh, with clients in the convenience store space where we can give them a kitchen of the future that requires 25 to 50% less labor, but gets more consistent, safest food, you know, through some of these technologies like HPP and we don't have to add preservatives into our food. So we can have You know, really foods that are cooked naturally uh, in their own juices, Um, but at the same time, it allows us to operate with zero waste because of shelf life and uh, the pasteurization that that comes into play with using these methods of cooking. So it's become a really amazing, interesting uh, road out there, but we feel very fortunate that we've had over a decade of working with clients and showing them different techniques in, in scalable food service of how to really get around some of those labor and supply chain issues.
0: So it's interesting. I think some of the things that you, know, you mentioned you've been doing for 10, 12 years, obviously weren't done with an eye towards supply chain issues or labor issues, but in fact have really helped you and your stakeholders meet the challenges that have been brought on by the you know, recent challenges, You know the smaller footprint kitchens, the sousie prep- preparation, Obviously it's, you know, the, the past two years have been pretty tough for, for everybody, but it's nice that I would assume that, you know, the things that you've been working on have really kind of been brought to the forefront to say, okay, here's how you can address challenges that are newer challenges, but these are things that we've been working on for a long time. So, um, you know, kudos to you and your team for, you know, kind of pivoting or adapting those things that you've been working on and, and helping, um, you know, industry meet, meet new challenges. Um, so, you know, you talked about this a bit before, but I think something that's particularly exciting about what JBH does is concept and brand development. Can you talk a little bit about some of the concepts that you're involved in? And if, if you're willing to share, kind of give us a peek behind, you know, the curtain about anything exciting that might be coming down the pipe?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, we're looking at ways to operate more efficiently uh, with less labor, safer, lower buildout. Uh, so we started with our first concept called banh mi, which is a Vietnamese sandwich and bowls concept, and that's where we really looked at going to this ventless uh, assembly methodology kitchen. And over time, we saw the benefits of the production model, and we started to uh, really create new concepts. We, we launched them first as ghost kitchens. Uh, we launched our first ghost kitchen in New York City back in 2016 uh, with Well, the first one we launched was called Pulled and Chop Barbecue. At this point in time, we have 12 different brands and are growing everything from our rotisserie joes, uh, more of a comfort food to Vindi Indian to our good at breakfast concept. And, you know, really what we've found is we can produce all these concepts off of one line with about 50% less labor than a typical kitchen uh, using uh, 100 ingredients or SKUs for all twelve concepts, and what we now have found is because of our operational path on the advisory side, we've launched something called Simple Solutions, where we can do the same for any operator. We can essentially go into, you know, a banquet kitchen or a, a full service restaurant, or it could be a convenience store, could be a fast casual restaurant, and we can basically give them all of the approaches and processes to back into this assembly methodology that's going to get them that value proposition, which is, you know, lower labor, uh, more consistent, safer food, and, and really what we find to be a sustainable, uh, you know, financial model, which the industry's had challenges with in the past, but have really been magnified coming out of the last few years. Um, so, you know, on the advisor side, I think the, the important thing is it's, you know, at the end of the day, the production side is is the process, how it comes, how it's delivered to guests, whether it's through ghost kitchen delivery or, or full service operation, uh, you know, that is the piece that, you know, can be very flexible. But when it comes to the back of house process, we can really give uh, our clients that direct plan of approach to, to get that value proposition.
0: That's great. So um, you talked about ventless and you talked about ghost kitchens for our listeners that might not be familiar with Ventless or ghost kitchens. Could you just, um, we do a little 101 here?
1: Yes, absolutely. My apologies. I, you know, so used to talking about these things. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great point. So, you know, most traditional kitchens have a hood system because they have open flame, they have fryers and ovens and grills uh, that really require a ventilation system that if it's not existing in a potential real estate space, you know, can cost 50 to $200,000 depending on, on how it's run. Uh, There has been such innovation from a technology standpoint on the equipment and on how we really don't necessarily have to cook every ingredient from scratch. We can get high quality, clean, natural ingredient uh, products in combined with the new equipment where we don't require that ventilation. And and that opens up so many doors to where we can put in outlets. You know, we're working with hospitals where we can, instead of just, you know, Sometimes you'll see that kiosk that has coffee and and maybe some pastries. Now we can put in multiple full uh, menu operations with barbecue and and Vietnamese food, et cetera. Uh, When it comes to ghost kitchens, you know, what we've seen in the industry is uh, there's, there's different formats to it, but as we know, the consumer is looking for more convenience. They're looking for food that's delivered to them You know, this was really highlighted during the pandemic when all food went to delivery for many urban areas for specific periods of time. But with that, there's the opportunity to not necessarily run a restaurant operation that has uh, a brick and mortar location that people can walk into. Uh, We can utilize other spaces, whether it's, you know, basement space or space that's off the beaten path to have a kitchen, almost a commissary kitchen that can produce the food that is then delivered uh, to customers. What we've also found is with this, uh, there's been a lot of development where you may have a specific restaurant that guests are walking into and eating in, but out of the kitchen they may be producing other brands, other concepts that are delivered to, um, you know, that are providing those delivery and caterings that you may not even see as you're eating in that restaurant. So, Um, you know, we not only do some work as an operator in that space, but we also uh, work with a lot of clients that are operating in that space.
0: Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, I think we hear people hear the term ghost kitchen all the time. um, And I'll admit, I I knew what it was, but, um, you know, it took me a lot longer before I stopped and said, what exactly is a ghost kitchen? Um, And so, you know, again, I think that's helpful. um, Yeah. And
1: it's evolving. I mean, there's the innovation and creativity in the industry has just been amazing. So you're seeing different renditions of what, what that ghost kitchen could, could be as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, we've, you know, we had a a guest come on from a restaurant association That's one of our first episodes actually. And, you know, I'm sure you'll agree with me, but I've just been blown away by how innovative and how strong the, the food and beverage industry has been. I mean, the challenges throughout COVID have been, tough on everybody, but you know, everyone has to eat and everyone has to drink water and everyone has to, you know, consume things. And so, you know, we we really learned what essential services are and food and Bev are are really among those. So, um, it's just been super impressive to me to see how people have pivoted, have kept businesses afloat, um, you know, have really served the communities that they're in. So it's nice that the areas that you and I have worked in for a long time are, I think, finally getting a lot more credit than, they were given previously so it's been nice to to see that happen
1: it, it most certainly is and there's you know the collaboration that we've seen we've partnered with other restaurant groups where we can go into their locations to provide those uh, ghost kitchen services and really maximize the use of the quite costly real estate that they have you know we've really seen efforts by the suppliers and distributors to really work together to find ways uh, you know, to find solutions. So it's, it's been an extremely collaborative environment, which we're really excited about.
0: Yeah, so I told you it was gonna be quick. Uh, I know it's hard to believe, but we're, we're close to the end of our time. I really can't thank you enough for coming on today. I got a, a lot out of this discussion. I know our listeners did as well. So for those that wanna connect with you, um, your colleagues at JBH where can our listeners find you? What's the best way to get in touch?
1: Absolutely. Through our website, which is jbhadvisorygroup.com. Most certainly can reach us that way as well. My email is brian.berger at jbhadvisorygroup.com and happy to connect with anyone that has some interest. Jonathan, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate you inviting me on. It's uh, been wonderful.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Brian. For all of our listeners, we really appreciate you tuning in. Be sure to join us on the next episode of Don't Miss a Beat. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Don't Miss a Beat brought to you by the law firm of Saul Ewing Arnstein and Lear please be sure to subscribe to hear more podcast episodes related to developments in the food beverage and agriculture industry